Welcome to the Sales Prospector Show, supported by Lisa Sales Rep and Inc. 5000 Company, helping our clients grow sales by securing guaranteed appointments, qualified leads, and guaranteed contracts for their services and products across the U.S. I'm your host, Gil Pagan. You can also find us at leasasalesrep.com, and we are on all major social media channels. I have the uh, privilege today of interviewing uh, Al, and he is uh, the CTO, Chief Technology Officer of Cerebri AI. Uh, they are a software technology company um, that has customer engagement uh, software. And we're going to go through what they do there and uh, learn a little bit about Al and how this all started. Uh, Al, welcome to the show. Thank you. Very glad to, uh, to be here. Well, t tell us, tell us what, um, what you're doing there and, uh, and tell us about, about the company, uh, Sarah and would love to, to hear um, how you're making things better for customers in the technology space who are serving uh, customers e-commerce and uh, what, what you guys are doing. It sounds like you're doing some exciting stuff there. Uh, thank you. Well, it's, uh, I'm glad we, uh, we are doing exciting things because uh, especially during these uh, COVID uh, stressed time, being a startup is not for the faint of art. Yeah. Um, uh, what, we, what we do inherently is we use the data already collected by companies, big companies, uh, typically Fortune 500, but uh, we have the ability to serve uh, small and medium businesses. If the data set is good enough, we're using the data they are already collecting about touch points with the customers of any kind and build customer journeys that allow us to measure uh, the propensity of their customers to do specific actions mm -hmm. to or the way their customer uh, perceives uh, their experience with, with that company. Uh, CX is a uh, big buzzwords. Uh, I think buzzwords are created by putting two letters together and seeing what flies. But the customer experience um, is, uh, is becoming more and more important because customers have the ability in just about any market you deal with to switch from provider to provider very easily. Uh, the cell phone, the mobile phone, has allowed you to, you know, you walk into a store and you can check the price of an item you see here at a competitor, or you have a bad experience and you can check right away if they are like providers that can supplement or, or replace uh, the supplier you have now. So uh, more and more, the ability for companies to anticipate uh, the level of experience, the level of satisfaction of a customer is very important. Mm. And based on that, to decide and figure out if the customer is a prospect, is a prospect to upsell, is a prospect to cross-sell, is someone who is ready to bail out, churn out, and thus you have to decide if you want to spend the money to risk you or not. And we provide uh, these uh, capabilities through a SaaS platform. Uh, we run uh, typically behind the firewall of the corporations. Big corporations are extremely paranoid, as they should be, mm. about the importance of the data from a privacy point of view and a misuse point of view. So when we deploy with uh, large companies, we deploy on their cloud behind their firewall. Mm. We aggregate uh, all the data, uh, organize it, massage it, uh, put our things together, and then uh, we present uh, a merger of the customer experience that integrates all the touch points and all the activities that those customers have made, which is much better than NPS, which is solely based on, on a survey. And we know that surveys are inherently uh, non-reliable. And then uh, we allow uh, uh, our customers to create cohorts of user based on behavior. Uh, that is to say, uh, for a car maker, if we say these are the three top percent of the customers you have had a relationship with that are likely to buy an SUV during the month of November, then we can create that list. And that list is then passed to an execution engine that that customer uh, is able to execute. So at the core, what we do is we aggregate the data in a unique manner. Is the data that is already owned uh, by uh, the, 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 our client, 
uh, and then we organize it in a manner that allows us to measure the customer experience on an individual basis, customer by customer, and make recommendation customer by customer about what you should do to get them to buy, to uh, buy more, to buy the specific products uh, and the like. Wow. Um, so taking us through a, um, a real simple example, uh, let's say uh, a customer for you um, has, uh, let's say it's a car dealership yeah. that has um, five locations and let's say they are a, um, a, a luxury car dealership, uh, yeah. say Infinity, um, for example, Toyota. Yep. It is the luxury brand of Toyota, right? Yep. So uh, they, um, you engage with this client that has these five locations and you pull down data. So yep. the client has to have some kind of data set and yes. some historical data set, right? Yep. All right. Uh, so um, they can't be basically a new business. So they have to have enough data. I don't know what that means. They have to have a thousand <laughs> customers or what is like the minimum to even begin to push into your platform? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the five dealership might not be uh, enough. Uh, what, what we typically need as a minimum is 100,000 touch points. Okay. And that can be one touch point for 100,000 dealers. That's a silly example. Um, but it's, uh, it's the number of, you know, take the number of customers and the number of interactions that you have. Um, uh, if you have 100,000 interactions, then you have a good data set to work with. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the data can be uh, well organized uh, or not. Uh, we hear often the concern, well, my data is dirty and disorganized. And I'm like, if it's called big data, it's disorganized and dirty anyway. Right. So our software, which we have automated, uh, simplifies and automates a lot of its cleaning. Uh, and that's a lot of the reconciliation. Um, and then we know pretty quickly if there is enough data to get good quality. Uh, we have different um, scores, different lists that can get created. Either it gives you a customer satisfaction index or predicts what they're gonna spend over the next 12 months mm -hmm. or predicts the price of a car they're willing to spend if they buy a car next year or two years from now. Uh, when it's more likely that they would buy a car, will they renew the lease at the end of the lease and what have you? All this is shown through both an API and application programming interface that can allow the integration with a customer relation management system if you so desire, or we have a, a, a user interface, we have a UX that allows them to do that. Um, because at the end of the day, this is not about data science, this is not about data, it's about actionable insight that allows those people to, to, to do things. Now, the case of the, 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 the car dealership and the car is important to us um, because uh, first of all, our first major deployment, which is in Europe, uh, is uh, with a network of car dealerships mm -hmm. uh, uh, that is uh, owned and managed by a top 10 uh, uh, automaker. Mm -hmm. uh, so we like cars. Um, and uh, what was interesting in, that, ex in the, that first deployment is first validating that the technology work, which was always a good thing. But the other is if you take that people buy cars every, let's say, five to six years, um, we were you know, questioned whether you would have enough signals to go and figure it out. By the way, I'm, I'm the exception. I recently bought a car and it was the first time in 18 years. Uh, so definitively, I could not relate. But um, if you take people buying car every five to six years, um, the challenge was this is a rare event. Uh, can you predict what kind of car people will want and when they would want it and what have you? And the answer is yes, because what we use is we use the service information and we use the marketing outbounds and the interest and what have you. And so what we do is when we do this prediction, we, the, the machine, the algorithm, we take the integral view of all these customers. And it turns out that uh, the service information, how often you come, do you come in Europe, you've got once a year, or the first year, the second year, you've got mandatory inspection, like the same way you have, for instance, you have to check uh, you know, the quality of your exhaust and the like. 
you could, you could, there is a very predictive patterns that emerge about the way people deal with the servicing of car and the kind of cars they're going to get and purchase. And uh, our, our technology uh, allows us to be a good prediction. Um, once we've done through the first debug and, and the like, we increased the rate of conversion on digital campaigns to sell car by a factor six. Oh, wow. Not 6%, yeah. by factor six. six you, can, you can imagine the first time the numbers came back, I told my team, we're going to double check this, triple check, we're going to check with them and what have you, because this is the kind of uh, too good to be true type of a deal. Well, it turns out it was true. The next time I ran, it was 7x. And, and then we optimized the way uh, the, the, the customer, his dealership network, was able to use the technology, which is mostly in the form of lists. Mm -hmm. And um, they sold many more cars by uh, using the customer we targeted. The other thing also, we, sorry, sorry go ahead. to interrupt. I, the, oh, so sorry. If the customer is not using the service department at the auto dealership in this example, um, particularly in the US, where a lot of people don't go back to the dealership, they'll go, yep. they go to the um, third party because they're cheaper. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how can you track that through other AI mechanism of that customer? They are, they are, they are data sets that you can go after okay. uh, uh, and integrate. And this is something that you have to work with the dealership and the like. Uh, we, are, we are putting together a, a public network where it will have the ability for smaller players to kind of get together and, and make that work. Then the challenge is you don't want the information from one dealership network to, to be used by their competitors. And, it took us a long time to figure out how to architect that solution. I mean, uh, we've, we've, we filed uh, uh, 25 patents and about uh, six or seven of them uh, deal with the architecture that allows with this, this protection of information. Uh, but they are, they are sources of, of info and uh, the, the, the power of machine learning, unlike business intelligence or regression, is if you have two or three touch points and I have 20, I can still try to align your behavior with mine. Mm. So uh, we organize <laughs> the information, pardon me, of all these customers in a systematic manner. And customers that have few pieces of data, um, uh, we're still able to, to, to map what could happen. We even went a step further, uh, not for car applications, but for a web application, mm. uh, more generically, where if you go, uh, you, you go to, 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 to a website, um, you are, uh, uh, in some cases, you log in and password, so you have credentials and the like, so I know who you are. And in other cases, you're just going around and you don't want to enter your name and what have you. What we're able to do is we're able to map the behavior of someone who logged in with the behavior of someone who didn't that means the insight we get from customer who are registered existing customer can now be passed onto none yet registered customer and the like. Mm. And so what this allows our customers to do is to present the right information, the right offer to bring the right page at the beginning. Mm. And it basically uh, greases the way it reduces the friction for the early adoption for the early engagement. You know, when, when someone walks in the first time on a website, then you've got to, you've got to figure out what to do. But in the early behavior will give you a lot of insight, which now we map around the millions of interactions, the billions of interactions that might happen. So um, what has surprised me, because uh, the first time I'm doing a, a, a B2C uh, uh, AI, I mean, we sell to businesses, but you know, ultimately it goes to the customer, mm -hmm. is... Um, when you have good data set and when you take the time component into account, um, how much signals about the customer behavior you can get. We are very time oriented. If you, if you go to a website day after day after day, let's say for 10 days versus every week for, let's say, two and a half months, so you have 10 interactions. The fact that it's day to day versus every week or every other week gives you a lot of, it turns out to give you a lot of insight about what's going on. And so when we develop these models, they're very time centric and they take that dimension in. 
And what this allows you to do is to boost the quality of the behavior trait that you're able to, to abstract um, and, and use them efficiently. Mm -hmm. Wow. So the, um, using the, uh, the car example as a, just again, just to be consistent, yeah, 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 sure. you have a hundred thousand, uh, minimum touch points. Yeah. Yeah. So touch points mean I get, could be an email. It could be, um, a direct mail piece. They could have went to the website. It could be yeah. any number of touch points and yeah. marketing. Yeah. Is what we, yeah. In marketing, we call, well, same thing, touch points, um, yeah. uh, contacts. Yeah. So you had a hundred thousand touch points to work minimum data set, those touch points could represent 10 touch points per customer. And it could be 10,000 customers. I'm assuming. Yep. Okay. Yep, yep. So you have a database of 10,000 customers. They, you touch them 10 times. That's a hundred thousand touch points. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a rule of thumb and, uh, right. 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 I got uh, you. You know, yeah. Europe has different behaviors than in the U S with respect to mandatory services and the like. So, right. Right. No, I got you. So yep. you got the, uh, man, so now you have this data, and that is, uh, you know, from the client, and that data is given to um, uh, to you, and, and and put into your, I'm assuming, into your platform, yes, web based, uh, and then you pull out those customers so out of these ten thousand customers, the the you got about a thousand that probably are going to buy or can be upsold within yes. the next ninety days. Yep, based on the algorithms and your AI, right? And you yeah, give yeah. information to them, the, the client, they look at this information. Then you said it goes into a execution engine. You don't mean your engine, you mean their stuff, right? It could be their stuff or it could be our stuff depending on when the limitations are. I mean, the, the challenge is when you're dealing with a workflow and an ecosystem is you cannot say trash everything you've got and trust right. us. I mean, the uh, uh, very few people can do it and and plus we like the challenge because we believe that our technology is is better than legacy mm. so in some cases it can be um this is the list and you put on the list but let's say that the application is the sales manager or is the sales rep uh, they don't want to go to a crm and whatever necessarily they receive this information coming because the customer is here all the interactions that we have registered is going to tell you what's going on and then we're going to say um this is this is the, the this is the sell index this is our this is the purchase index for this customer at this moment this customer is 84 and this customer is 68 let's say the probability that they're going to buy resilient limit and now you can act on it we also can say based on their past purchases brand model trim this is what they're likely to like and we're going to give you three or four choices in best you can do it. And, and in, in this area, we have, we have one algorithm, which we decided to call crank. It's a variation on the page rank from, from Google, but uh, it's different enough. And we decided that, especially if you're dealing with a grudgy old man like myself or cranking a car, uh, let's call it crank and a very talented a PhD, we developed it. And so what this was able to tell us in the luxury environment is able to pick up really esoteric cars. So in, in the, for the application we had, we're able to pick up Lamborghini. Oh, wow. That, I don't know. Uh, this is, I apologize. It's okay, it's all right. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, I declined the call. This is funny because I took my watch off, so it shouldn't ring. And, and so you have the ability to get this small signal, but one of the, one of the application that was uh, helpful for this, uh, for this customer um, is what is the propensity that this customer will be willing to um, buy uh, financing mm. from the get-go or uh, insurance? And so these abilities... So you're pulling that information from the dealership. You're not doing credit stuff. You're not... No, we're not oh, doing... Okay. We're, we're okay. doing credit-like stuff because we also are helping uh, a bank uh, one of our earlier customer is a bank in Canada and we're helping them in the adjudication of car loans. Right. So for there, uh, we're using the information they use. Part of it is, uh, is the uh, credit information, but we don't, we don't generate a credit score. We input the credit score and that's one of the variables we use. Okay. In, in, in the case, I mean, if you look into financing, which of course uh, is a nice source of revenue for the dealer, or if you look into additional insurance, Mm -hmm. Then knowing right away that this customer is likely to go for financing and what have you, 
allows you to tilt the conversation. So in this case, this is where the UX, the user interface becomes important because the, 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 there's a limited amount of time for the sales representative to be able to figure out, do I push this or don't I push that? Yeah. Um, for, for banking application, um, we, we, uh, the, the, the company has three main locations uh, besides everybody's home for, for the moment. Uh, Austin, where we had quartered, Toronto, where we have the, the bulk of our, of, our, of our staff, and then Washington, D.C. Um, so we had a lot of experience in Canada. And in Canada, we had the ability to look into um, the data from a, a major uh, car manufacturer. Okay. And we had information about um, the loans that were applied uh, for people purchasing the cars. And what we were able to find out is that um, folks that took care of a car uh, on a regular basis, uh, so take them to the dealer with some regularity and what have you, are less likely to default on their loans that others would don't. Which if you think from a behavioral point of view, if you are careful with the objects you own, the car, Love. you're likely to be careful with your money. Uh, but what was fascinating is to see the data bring, bring it up on its own. So, uh, you know, we, we've mixed and matched. I mean, evidently at the bank, we have many more data sets and the like. Um, but the, the ability to uh, put a measure of risk or put a measure of uh, what the customer is likely to do and then how to best entice them to do so. Is this a discount or not? You know, we, we are in the middle of a pilot with a major wireless customer in the United States and the issue there is churn. Well, you know, one way to put churn is I'll give you $50 off or I give you another dollars off and what have you. But if I give you another dollar off and it has no impact at the end of the day, then I've wasted money. Mm -hmm. So in that case, the emphasis is on figuring out who is about to churn and what is the best way to retain them if it's even worth trying to retain them, because if retaining them is going to cost you more money, then ultimately they're going to revert to you. Then you know, yeah. yeah, it's a no-brainer. Um, yeah. So the, uh, the the platform itself, um, um, the platform itself, when you get the data, I mean, this is all web-based, right? SaaS model. Yes. So the client has to log into your platform. Yes to see this data yeah. uh, and then act upon it, I guess, in, yeah. in whatever sales process, yeah. like marketing process they'll have yeah. to pull that, that, that customer in. Um, and uh, so obviously we got a sense of the car business seems to be a good um, industry for this. Yeah. They have a high ticket item. Yeah. Um, margins tend to be kind of tight, you know, on, yeah. On, on the new cars, um, used cars actually uh, are higher uh, yeah. margins and um, and the financing, they make money on the financing, they make money on service, you know, yeah. all the add-ons, right? Uh, so yeah. other other um, other industry verticals that I guess would be a good ex uh, example that, that your platform works on, I would think e-commerce, people who are buying a lot online and, and, and using a certain vendor company, yeah. Uh, same thing apply? Would that be safe to say? Yeah, it, it does. Uh, it absolutely does. I, I want to bring one thing before we sure. wrap up the, the automotive business. Sure. Uh, we have a, we, we developed a measure of uh, customer engagement, which we call the CeraVe value. As you can tell, there's a lot of C's in the things we do. So right. the CV, which is not your curriculum vitae, but the CeraVe value, in the car of a purchase tells you how much are you willing to pay for your next car? In the, in the recurring business, let's say for wireless or insurance or banking and what have you, it's how much are you willing to spend over the next 12 months or the next 24 months and our customer sets that up. But in the case you're purchasing a, a, an, an item, it tells you how much you're willing to pay. And that becomes very important because let's say that you've got a car that retails for $35,000. And you have another car that retails for 40 and another one that retails for 45. And at the moment where the person walks in into your showroom, their survey value, which is how much they are willing to spend at this moment in time is $55,000. Then it goes without saying which one you're going to push or not. And we even found the cases, which again, you, you know, every now and then the data amazes you, 
where we were looking at an example, it was in the United Kingdom, and we saw the survey when you climbing, and then we said that individual buying a car at a much lower amount. So, you know, machine learning, as anything else, is not perfect, but this one kind of tickles our fancy because it was three years ago early on. It turns out that that person had purchased a car for her or his son or daughter, we're not sure. Um, but when he took the sum total of the two, that added to how much they were willing to spend, which was a case where it was going to be expended not on one purchase, but two purchases done the same day. Mm -hmm. Now to the question you ask is other industry where things work. If it's like a giant e-commerce and whatever you, Amazon and Walmart took care of themselves, so we're not going to go there. Right. But you might have others that, that can, especially when you have an eclectic set of, of, of items you can buy. Um, not that we have a relationship with them, but uh, recently I've been doing more of my share of Etsy. Uh, so uh, Etsy, uh, Etsy uh, and uh, fixed niche and, and others, you know, kind of using algorithms such as the one we have, it would be great if we could sell them, but, uh, you know, if they send to your, to your show, I sure hope uh, they right. can follow up. Shameless trying to sell from a bad sales guy. Sure. But, but for them, uh, for others, uh, insurance, uh, we've done a very successful pilot with an insurance company. Uh, Wallace, a telco, uh, both on the cable and the wireless side, who is likely to churn, who is likely to cut the cord. Um, uh, the cable company is going through a major shift to being a provider of programs, to a provider of internet, and then you go buy your Showtime and your StarZ and so on. Mm -hmm. So managing those transitions uh, is, is, is a good thing. So telco, insurance, banking, mm -hmm. travel used to be a target, but we know what happened to, to that. Right. Uh, and those are the ones that we've been getting the most traction on. Um, we have a, uh, an unusual customer. It's unusual from the perspective of what we're doing there. We're working with a central bank and we're doing a GDP, gross domestic product estimate for them. Uh, there, uh, the goal is to predict uh, what the growth in the GDP or the decrease in GDP for the recent past uh, are. Uh, to help them with their forecast. And that was the first time they and we applied machine learning to GDP forecast. And the, the, re the results were quite interesting, um, especially the half hour before the official number got released where are we close, not close, are we close, not close. But people that have big data sets when you have a repetitive business month in and months out uh, are, are good targets for us. Yeah, repetitive and uh, uh, big data sets. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, we, uh, we at, and at time uh, uh, we we behind the, the the firewall. So in cases uh, we have to work with the connectivity of the data uh, very extensively to be in the firewall. Uh, one successful uh, pilot we have had with a bank in the Middle East. We received the data literally on the USB stick. Uh, we FedExed it. We received it. Uh, we copied it. Uh, we uh, locked the, the stick into a very secure area and we did the processing and it worked. And it showed that uh, th there's so much power in this pattern recognition capability of machine learning when properly done um, that uh, if you've got a reasonable data set, we'll be able to, to create some insight. Wow, yeah, so I can see how the enterprise clients obviously are the target for your platforms because they have such huge data sets and um, uh, multiple, obviously, repetitive buying and, and the like. Yeah. yeah, I can see how that uh, they would be a focus uh, for you. That makes a lot of sense. So when they, when they, when you engage with a client for the first time, um, and uh, you know they they agree to do something with you, they give you the data set. Um, you set up. Um, you have a you, you set up a, obviously even a portal for them to you yeah know. typically typically first thing we do is we ask which cloud are you on um, because we like to operate beyond the firewall which simplifies a lot of issue with their IT department yeah uh, we are cloud agnostic kind of uh, we are Azure first mm -hmm. uh, but we can deploy it on Oracle Cloud on the GCP the Google Cloud on AWS, as well as on the high performance cluster, which is uh, the term of art for the big iron farm of PCs and mainframes and what have you that you have uh, you know, down in the basement. So uh, our architecture allows us to 
um, create the environment, standardize the environment, and then build on top of it. And at that point, it is a web app. Um, the design is responsive, so you can uh, see it on a, on a tablet. You can see it on a PC. Mm -hmm. uh, because we show so much information, it gets a little tricky on the phone side, but you know, we have not had many demand for it. I'm sure we can adapt, but it has not been a focus. And um, the thing that we do, and we get this question often, is uh, who is going to use this platform? And the answer is, uh, who do you want it to be? Uh, the way we've defined the, the, the platform is the screen as a series of widgets. And then you can think of it as different panes and the like. And we can, on a role-by-role -role basis, decide what customers, uh, sorry, what roles at the customer sees what. So the sales folks are going to be interested in the specific of set of information. The marketing folks in a different kind of information. The data science team, often there's a data science team at the customer, something else and the like. So the same, the same platform will look and feel different from the information you have access to and the actions you're allowed to do on a role-by-role -role basis. You don't want to give a junior marketer the ability to execute a campaign that's going to cost $10 million. Mm. But to the director of marketing, if he or she uses the platform, yes, she will have the ability. So what we've done, um, and, and we spend as much time on the software design that we do on the algorithm design, is the ability to have a customized look and feel per customer about you know who has access uh, to specific information um you've got uh, we had this experience in a recent uh, insurance company you've got different pnl centers and while it's nice for them to know in great detail what's happening in for their pnl profit loss uh, you might not want to get them too much detail about where someone else another pnl and uh, while we try to stay away and not engage into uh, office politics because this is never healthy, is we understand that within the same company, different folks will, you know, from a governance point of view, yeah. have access to different pieces of information. But at the end, it's the same backend and it's the same software. And what was painful, and I use this term uh, rightfully, is we had to architect a platform so that we take advantage of getting smarter and smarter, but we cannot have the information, the data set of one customer impacts the result we're giving to someone else. Hmm. We have to disassociate uh, the software architecture, the machine learning architecture from the underlying data set they are manipulating. And that took us a long, long time. It is a non-trivial problem. And the reason why we want to do that is because if we find a new algorithm, a new method, a new widget that represents the information better, then we'd like all our licensees, all our customers to have access to it as it operates on the data set. So when new customer comes in, they have the benefit of the experience that we have learned over engaging multiple customers, but they don't get any of the insight that comes from the data sets of previous customers. Mm, wow. Um, the, while you were talking, um, one, a couple of ideas came to mind in the different sector, um, which are forecasting ability, kind of the GPT yes. example you were using. Can you, um, can the software in, in, in well, let's take hospitals for a minute, healthcare, um, a large wide area a network of healthcare facilities across particular cities um, is, is, can the data, can the, 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 the platform be used to identify patients that uh, would be, have a propensity or more likelihood to use uh, home healthcare services or need healthcare services, uh, home health, yeah. uh, assisted living facilities, uh, that they are more likely to go to an assisted living facility or to a nursing home. Uh, the patients are, uh, are more than likely to, um, uh, abuse, pain meds, um, you know, that kind of stuff. Can you look at stuff like that? Because I could see how, see, we're, 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 one, of our yeah. one of our verticals is healthcare. So I'm thinking, and we sell tech software into healthcare. Yeah, so yeah. I'm thinking of, wow, this data set for, uh, for hospital networks, that your tool to identify, you know, out of all these patients we have and all the visits we have, 
this sub-segment will more than likely use home health care, fall into home health care soon, will probably go to a nursing home, which we, we, we won't be able to help them, or they may have enough funding money to go into assisted living. Uh, I mean, is it even possible yeah. with your platform? It, it, uh, let, let, let me separate what is, what, is, what is possible versus what's immediately feasible, if I may. Okay, good. <laughs> um, uh, we, we know about the regulation from HIPAA. Right. Uh, so you have to be very careful, but the main issues is you've got uh, uh, Epic and the other company whose name escapes me mm -hmm. that has this uh, hold on the on the patient records and they are fighting tooth and nail the mandate coming from the federal government mm -hmm. uh, with respect to having API that allows the exchange of, uh, of information readily. So there's going to be the no, no, we tell you that this data uh, for an EPA compliant application, you have to share it and get done and over it. And uh, I'm not gonna go into the politics of it, but this right. is you know, extremely telling. Now, now there are other sources of data uh, that can be, uh, can be helpful, uh, such as uh, the logs that the customers are keeping and the like. Um, we have done a limited COVID-19 oriented test. Mm -hmm. um, uh, if you're gonna be stuck at home because of COVID-19, uh, you might just try to see if you can help. And what we did with another startup located in Canada is to look into based on symptoms that are reported and based on mood and other things that are self-reported by the customer, mm -hmm. uh, are we able to start to predict uh, the likelihood that these people should get a test and go to the hospital? Mm -hmm. The data set was limited. Uh, so we didn't arrive into yet, yet as of a Ju a July, uh, 2020 to you know a deployment or like deployment uh, but we we have the uh, this customer journey which builds up all these events that you do can be readily morphed into a patient journey mm -hmm. or to an advocacy journey uh, we've proven that it could be done on the limited data sets that we have the challenge becomes um, the access to the data uh, the EPA compliance and the like, the problems have been solved through software and firewalls and the like. And as I stated, we typically run behind someone's firewall. Um, but we believe that uh, that is uh, imminently doable. A um, uh, uh, friend of mine is very involved with uh, the management of contact tracing um, and other thing that the, the CDC and the FDA uh, and NIH are working through with all the challenges that we know. Um, and there is a demand for integration at a high level that allows you know, people to, 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 to manage this situation better. And we think that AI can play. Uh, we'll see where some of these uh, discussion might go. But iner inherently, if you have event, 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 another event, another event, no event, then another event and an outcome, if you've got enough diversity in the events, and if you've got the time information and if the outcome is well-defined, then the technologies that we have uh, do, do, do apply. Um, and uh, we, we very quickly, uh, in a matter of weeks, were able to, to, to have this analysis for COVID-19 based on the worst data you can ask about, which is the data that the people record. Um, uh, I was the previous startup I had where I was the co-founder. Um, uh, I knew the co-founder of Cerebri AI who convinced me to join and I'm very glad I did because we're working hard, but we're having lots of fun because it's fun to change the world. And you know, every time tell me, someone tells me you can't do it and then you show it, you kind of be nice, be nice. Uh, so having fun. But the, 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 what, what the customer records, what the patient records is typically uh, not that reliable. Uh, especially if you ask them to record the weight. I'm just not speaking from experience. Of course, I can. Right. Uh, I, I need to do some. Yeah. Um, and so we're able to get these elements. So the ability to integrate a limited amount of information that would come from these HIPAA compliant systems, uh, I think could have a difference. And we'll have to see how, um, if, if you can't solve the, the, the situation we have with respect to COVID, and, you know, there are other medical situations that COVID totally aware. Um, through brute force and the provision of PPEs and so on, it is obvious that pattern recognition and, and pattern tracing, which is an inherent element in dealing with epidemiology of, of, uh, of uh, pandemics and the like, 
uh, I think will play a role. Uh, we are very busy with our pilots, uh, but when the opportunity uh, comes, uh, we are evaluating it. It also allows us to stress test our algorithm and stress test our software. Right. Um, and that's always a good thing because it, you, know, you, you cannot be complacent and our roadmap is uh, very systematic on both the UX, uh, how we manage the data set, how do we ingest the data set and the kind of recommendations and list creation we make. Um, so we, we look at it. Uh, we're a startup. Uh, if the right opportunity comes in and it's not totally misaligned with our roadmap, we'll go for it. We were not expecting to do the GDP of, of, a, of a major country, uh, and yet we did it. And uh, thank God we did because one, the customers are very, very tough. They're the toughest customers I know, period, which means they make us better. And the good thing is they made us better. Well, that's great. That's great. Glad, glad to hear that. Um, this, um, as we begin to wrap up our conversation here, um, you are uh, obviously a CTO there and um, you came obviously with a lot of experience uh, to uh, Cerebri and uh, your, your background, did you actually help to write this, uh, this platform? Were you doing code? Uh, you know, and the like, or you, you're the visionary kind of big picture kind of guy. Uh, well, uh, I, I came after the company when we started for a couple of years. Uh, Jean Belanger, our CEO, is a, is a friend of mine. I've got to use the F word in this case. So he's a friend of mine. It took him 19 years to convince me to work for him. So I know what I was getting into. Um, uh, and after my previous uh, startup, I was doing it to looking AI for politics. Uh, opposite of this, it says, okay, now that you're done uh, dealing with your things, once you come over and do things. So there, there was some reinventing, I'll be honest, and there was building the team. The team was much smaller when I joined. Um, and a lot of the things was to bring um, um, maturity, at least years of experience, we'll have to decide if it translates to maturity, um, to the team and build it and, and, and force a robust uh, uh, roadmap. So my, my, my focus is system architecture and, and road mapping and really try to anticipate uh, where the value creation would be. Um, I, I brought up a tremendous focus on patents. Um, I'm, I'm a serial inventor. And when I say serial, um, I have 64 in the United States and close to 500 worldwide. So um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a bad habit. Um, so we really build up, build up our IP and build up the team and a lot of co-marry uh, co the software and, and, uh, uh, and, and AI. And I'm uh, very blessed from the fact that we were successful because we're part of it to build a very strong team. Uh, the, the team that supports this effort um, is second to none. Uh, I had the privilege to do, this is my fifth startup. I work in this size company. I work with Motorola. I work Comsat, GT, and so on. Uh, this is on a per individual talent point of view, um, outstanding. And the challenge, of course, is that you have to have on your A game every single day. So um, uh, the, the, the team will stay, uh, I will not write code, but I will comment on it on a regular basis. I will be at review and the like, but the, the, we, are, we are empowering our engineers. We are empowering the developers uh, very systematically and uh, they've risen to the occasion. Um, we've been also working very hard with our early customers and we owe them a debt of gratitude because um, they push very hard. I mean, when you have marquee names um, and they ask tough questions, you have to be willing to walk into that hot kitchen, so to speak, and being seared a little or burned a little and what have you, but you do stronger for it. So um, it's, it's, it's a good experience. Um, you know, it's not for everyone. We had some uh, turnover, as you would expect. Um, data scientists are in hot demand. Uh, so we have to always be careful that we treat them well, that we engage them to the maximum of their capabilities. Um, and we give them very difficult problems because uh, it builds up on their resume. Yeah, and they need to be challenged. Uh, yeah, well, no. and, challenge, and challenge you back. It's a uh, it's it's a it's a very strong culture. Uh, we have uh, we are recording on a Thursday, and we have key presentations with a Canadian customer on Monday and with a French customer on Thursday, next week. And we know exactly at what times the meetings on Saturdays and Sundays would have to take place, 
Um, and besides the team, uh, they are the spouses and the girlfriends and the boyfriends who have been uh, supporting us indirectly to a large degree and grateful for them as well. Oh, that's great. Uh, so when you're not doing this stuff here and you're not, you know, trying to make the world a better place and uh, with your technology, so what do you, what do you do to take your, your focus away to you know, um, put your mind somewhere else? Um, well, I'm, 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 I'm advising two of our startups. <laughs> this is really bad. Uh, one is one I started, so we're in the process of selling it. So I have no choice. It's my money. And the other one is, uh, an outfit called gig to gig, uh, run by a very, uh, great Angelicello, uh, that is looking at AI uh, for helping with the audition process. So, uh, that's kind of, I do to explain the mind. Uh, otherwise, my go-to relax is uh, movies, watching movies, writing scripts, studying it and the like. Uh, I absolutely adore that art form. And then when I can afford it and the environment allows you to do so is go to the opera. Oh, huge, nice. huge opera fan. Got you like the arts. That's, uh, that's great. Um, are you still with us? Uh, you have frozen. I lost yeah, you. I lost frozen for a little while. Yeah, it froze for a little bit. Uh, for, a, for, for a second. You there? I am there. Okay, great, great. Uh, so I appreciate you sharing what you do um, that, you know, when you're not working. Um, yeah. The other stuff. So, uh, rapid uh, round, round, you know, rounding, lightning round questions. Sure. To ask you. Um, so, you like coffee, hot or cold? Hot. Hot and, cold. And, and, and and lots of it. <laughs> yeah, me too. My my, my my mother was Turkish, and just oh. to get the reference, the rule was that after nine o'clock, you could in the evening, you could only have espressos. So yes, totally caffeinated. Oh, wow. Uh, so your favorite food? Sushi. Uh, sushi, okay. Uh, do you eat hot dogs? No. Okay. Burgers? Yes. You put ketchup or plain or not uh, or mustard? What do you put on your burger? I put uh, fancy French mustard, of course. Oh. <laughs> uh, pizza? Yes. Like pizza. Apple or Android? Uh, totally Apple. Yeah, typically the creative and the technical guys like the Apple for some reason. Um, so obviously you're using a Mac. Uh, yes. Laptop or a desktop? Both. Both, okay. Laptop and desktop and iPad. The, uh, the iPad is my go-to thing. Uh, I'm a bad sleeper. And so at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. if I wake up, I'll boot up the iPad and start working. Oh, that's good. <laughs> oh, no, it's not. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah the, the, some of the best thoughts happen early in the morning, at least for me anyway. Uh, uh, if you can go anywhere on vacation uh, and money and time was not an issue for you, where'd you go? Um, that's an interesting question. Um, I'll, I'll answer with two answers. Yeah, typical. Uh, one, uh, I'd like to take my, uh, uh, my, my girlfriend to Paris together. I'm from Paris. She has been to Paris, but not together. So that's kind of the, uh, if you can spend a long time or what have you, uh, but a place that uh, I'd like to go is uh, Eastern Island. Oh, very, very nice. Uh, dog, cat, or neither? Dogs and more dogs. Okay. Uh, and obviously, um, you like the art, you like the movies, you've already said that. Yep. So do you, uh, if, if we weren't in this COVID situation, I'm assuming you'd, you'd go to the theater versus Netflix and Hulu. Yes. Like, be in the experience, right? Absolutely. Yes. And last question, if you had uh, a superpower um, and you were given one superpower, what would that be? Um... I would, uh, I would um, remove the instincts that everybody has to see someone that doesn't agree with them to be the enemy. Mm. 
we have a reactive, polarized, especially in this country, but you start to see elsewhere, view that someone you disagree on issues is the other, the enemy and what have you. So I would remove the gene that is kind of the other. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm concerned that the rhetoric is starting to really be extremely unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I'm Jewish and uh, not that it makes a difference on this, but it, it's, it's like, gosh, we're starting to sound like awfully things are read in books. So without going to, you know, remapping of what is Terry Perry versus the other, yeah. is my boss, Jean, is as conservative as I'm a liberal. Mm. Um, uh, and we will have debates and we will make the points and what have you, but we're doing it in a civil manner. Sure. Um, and I can do that, you know, with a lot of the people that I see around, but I see this overism of people that don't agree with you as becoming rampant and rampant. So my magic power, not solve world hunger or be invisible and whatever, all those good things, but it would be either is a gene or it is a diet or there is something that removed the instinct to see the other one as other, then I think it would be what I'd like to do. Powerful, well said. But see us as humans. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, love, coin a phrase, love each other and just yep. don't, don't yep. hold on to the... Uh, to the negative. Um, uh, we have been interviewing uh, Al, the CTO of Cerebri, um, a customer engagement platform um, that can take clients' data and help them understand it better to upsell, cross-sell, and also reduce churn. Um, it can be used in multiple industries. We discussed uh, quite a number of things here um, and using data to uh, make the customer experience better, but also make your business more profitable and uh, and grow and, and uh, sell more to your existing customers. Um, I would love the conversation. Uh, Al, you guys are doing some really exciting things there. Um, you're an interesting, you're an interesting man and you got very interesting history. Uh, and um, I, I see great things from what you're doing and wish you all the best and success with this venture. Uh, and, uh, and that your other stuff also, <laughs> the other two you're working on on the side as a side biz, uh, you know, good for you. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, it was great interviewing you. We'll be, we'll be in touch soon. All the best.